Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to another episode of CookieCast. Today on CookieCast it's the Darkest Timeline podcast. So you've just got me for the day. I'm talking games, movies, TV. But before all that I'll be talking something from the week. The week that this one was recorded. If I can ask a favour, if you're not already subscribing wherever you get in this podcast, please do consider subscribing. It means a lot to me. It means a lot to us. And you can join and be one of the cookie cast faithful. Right, let's get going. Here we go. This is Cookie Cast, the Darkest Timeline Podcast. Hello. Are you alright? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? It's a common question. Pretty sure every podcast starts like this these days. It's generally me working how far I can get away from the microphone. Mostly so that I can get, you know, drinks. Are you alright? How's your week going? Going well? Good. If it's not going well, I'm sure it's going to, you know, start looking up. So, I want to start today's episode talking about a phenomenon. Do you have that item of clothing that just attracts like dirt and is it a favourite item of clothing and do those things go hand in hand let's let's dive in shall we so I have a jumper it's my favourite jumper um, it's a jumper I really wanted, it's a jumper I got, it was difficult to get hold of, not for me, it was a gift, but I am aware of how difficult it was to get hold of, difficult of how, I'm aware of how difficult it would have been to get, and so on and so forth, but, on the other side of it, it's my favourite jumper, so, there is a problem, with this and that is that from the moment the literal moment I put the jumper on you might as well start a timer from the moment it goes on to the moment that the first piece of dirt gets on it basically it's often food but not always What what is that about? This isn't the first item of clothing I've had this with. Like I say, more often than not, it's like a favourite item. More often than not, more often than not, it's like a like a ticking time bomb. 
So, there are times when I'm like, ah, oh, man, I really want to wear that jumper, but I can't because it'll just get dirty. Things like that. Cool, I'm, I'm wearing it right now. And I can tell you this much. Um, the sleeves, I mean, you know, you could, you could just, like, lick them and work out every meal I've had for the last few days. But we've also got the mystery stain. The mystery stain is about a third of the way up the left arm. And it's one of those. It could be coffee. And if I'm honest, there is a high chance that it is coffee. But is it? And if it isn't, what is it? But, is it just the fact that we like, we assign these things, like these items, like, uh, oh, that's my favourite jumper. And does that make it so that that item of clothing attracts those things? Is that a, is that a, a thing? Is it because it's not black? That's another possibility. Is it because this jumper is not a black jumper? Which is unusual for me. Although I say that, I don't know how many black jumpers I own. T-shirts on the other hand, obviously. But, black jumpers. There was a time when there was nothing but black jumpers. Nowadays, a lot of a lot of beiges and browns. It's an age thing. I'm sure. But I, I just... I got real, like... Why... You know, I, I put this jumper on the other day. And I was like, oh, favourite jumper. Cool. And... It was just that... That ticking time bomb of... When's it going to get dirty? And the answer is very quickly. And it's that... Probably going to have to put it in there. It, this jumper spends more time in the wash than it does on my body. Just, it's weird. It's a strange phenomenon. But there, I thought that's how we'd start today's episode. Um, if anybody knows anything about... Uh, you know, these sorts of phenomenons, let me know. Get in touch. I'm uh, happy to have that conversation. So, uh, got a new tattoo. Now, when you reach my level of uh, of tattoos... Um, in fact, for anybody that doesn't know, my level of tattoos is uh, two full sleeves, uh, a f full back piece, uh, and I'm currently working on two full leg sleeves. Um, so, uh, when you get to this sort of level of tattoo, tattooed, um, 
you get the same joke every time. It goes like this. I'm getting tattooed at, you know, uh, on this day, or oh, I got a tattoo the other day, or oh, I'm getting, you know, I've booked in for a new tattoo. If you say any of those things, the person you're speaking to will say this. Surprise, you've got any room left? Surprise, you can find anywhere to put them. Oh, how long is it going to be before you start tattooing your face? Or a combination. Because that's all that people say. It's understandable. I do get it. So, got a new tattoo done. Uh, that's not true. Got a new tattoo started. Um, went to... What they, Thursday. Went on Thursday. Full day. Um, started uh, uh, an American werewolf in London tattoo to add to my collection of uh, favourite film tattoos. So, it was one of those. It started out, I was like, oh, I've got a space here. The irony being is, having said, oh, anybody, you know, people just talk about whether you've got any space. I'm now going to talk about what limited space I've got. So, I'm like, oh, I've got space here. It wasn't until the day before I was going that I was like, I'm not sure that space is big enough. I'm not sure I can fit it in that space. So... I go, I see, I see the tattooist, I'm like, oh, you know, uh, I found it's best to be, uh, to be loosey-goosey when going to get tattoos these days, um, years gone by there was a lot of, what about this and what about that, and can you draw this for me, can you make this for you, can you produce an image for me to look at three weeks in advance, and once I realised that, um, my tattooist doesn't really work like that. Uh, I just let all of that go. Uh, there have been times that I've turned up at the tattooist. It's like, oh, you haven't tattooed it. Yeah, what you haven't done? It's up to you. Cool, I'll get cracking then. Okay. Um, that's happened more than a few times. So, I'm like, oh, I'm not sure about that space. Go in, it's like, oh, um, are we doing this tattoo today? Yeah, we're doing this tattoo today. We're doing American Wealth. Okay, we'll do American Wealth. I was like, oh, where are you going to put it? I was like, I've got a space here. I've got a space here, but I'm saving this space. I've got um, space here. Um, and then it's that. It turns into, and then I've got a lot of space here, here, and here sort of thing. Oh, let's have a look. So it started out as a certain size. And uh, the other tattooist, the, uh, the the piercer, all very sort of. Oh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it's big enough. Um, which is one of those. I imagine. I imagine if it was your first tattoo and somebody said, oh, "I don't know if it's big enough," you would panic. But after the number of tattoos I've had. You hear, I don't know if it's big enough, and you go, uh, bigger means more detail, bigger means more more area covered. You know, there's a lot of benefits to bigger. Um, 
So I'm not sure it's big enough. Oh, I'm not sure if you need to move this. Oh, I can't move this because if I move this, it's you know, it's going to end up going round the back, round the back of the leg. Oh, maybe that's a good thing. So uh, back to the drawing board. Make it bigger. See how it fits. Um, oh, you know, it fits like this, and it fits like that, and it fits like the other. And then in a split decision. I think it needs to be bigger. Okay, you're the boss. So uh, back to the drawing board. Make make it bigger, like real big. And uh, back to the leg. Yep, that's it. That's the one. We're gonna make it big. Definitely not getting it done in a day. I'm like, that's fine. I'll just I'll just book in for another one. And that was that. On we went. So, one of the worst tattoo experiences I ever had was I had both of my calves tattooed on the same day. Uh, basically a full day. I actually got um, like the front of my ankles, the, shoulder, the shin, uh, on both legs done at the same time. So I got four tattoos in one day. Um, and that day is probably the worst experience I've had tattooing. Because for the majority of it, I had to lie on my front. I never lie on my front. I don't sleep on my front. I don't lie on my front. I have no reason to lie on my front. I don't do it. Um, so, because of that, I find it very uncomfortable. Um, the day I had my calves done, it was literally lie face down flat on my front. And it was awful. It made me feel sick. It was it was just not a good time all round. One of my biggest fears when it comes to tattoos is that that will be repeated, and I'm I'm fully aware that before long it will have to be repeated because I have to fill in the backs of my thighs. So I'm aware that it will happen again, but you know, fingers crossed. Not anytime soon. Or so he thought. And as the tattoo is, you know, the, the setting up to be done, the colours are coming out, the stencils getting prepared and all this, and I'm looking at the way the, the, the bed thing's set up, the seat, the bed, all that, and I'm like, I'm going to be lying on my front for this. Shit. Now then. Saving grace on this one is that in actual fact, I was able to lie partially on my side for a lot of it. Um, and in, in hindsight, it was nowhere near as bad as I remember the other time being. Um, so like I say, there was, some, there was an element of lying on my side a little. And there was an element of uh, when I was lying on my front, it wasn't quite as bad. Um, ended up with like a really stiff shoulder, really painful chest. I think that's probably why I never lie on my front. Um, and basically got the tattoo outlined and a lot of the black put into it. Uh, but no sort of real colour. Um... I was having a conversation later the day, later that day, talking about like 
fitting these tattoos in and talking about like future tattoos and this and that and the other. And then I had this horrible realization of, oh my God, one day I will actually run out of space. What, what will I do then? It was a, it was a sad time. There's this whole thing about like reminiscing about getting my uh, my sleeves done, and uh, part, part of me kind of wished I could like get them done again. Not because I don't like what I've got, that I could go through that tattoo process, going from not having them to steadily getting them to getting them finished. My sleeves, admittedly, my sleeves were the things that went the fastest in the the bigger like area tattoos um because they just they just did not feel complete so i was very much like these need to happen fast i need to get booked in every you know every available opportunity i'll take any cancellations i just need to get them done um pretty sure they still took like now that i can work it out somewhat there's a there's a picture that I remember of me and my eldest, um, and I think in that picture I just had my forearm started. Um, I think I think I seem to remember that working out that they took, that it took about three years to get them fully done. Um. But yeah, having this realisation of going, there will come a time where I will probably run out of space. I've always threatened a chest tattoo, but I, I, how do I how do I word this? I I, I don't have the um the physicality no that's not it. I don't have the I'm not going to be taking my shirt off anytime soon to get my chest tattooed let's put it that way so I get tattooed I get a large area of my leg tattooed and uh, the youngest is with um, Nana and I was like look you know I'm I'm gonna be not too far from from where they are I can collect the youngest bring her home when I'm done at the tattooist I was like you know Oh, actually, that's uh, that's quite a good idea because it saves everybody a trip, so on and so forth. Perfect. Um, so I got finished up with the tattooist, and I walked across town, and I got to the street uh, where where Nana lives. Now then, there's a problem with with the street where Nana lives. It has hands down the worst pavements because even with 
like the slightest amount of moisture they become slick and i mean like you feel like you're wearing roller skates when you step on them slick they are awful this is moisture i'm not talking about ice i'm not talking about it's slightly chilly day i'm talking about any moisture Turning onto said street, I was like, oh, I bet these pavements are going to be awful today. So I walked the entire length of the street on the road. Smart, smart thinking, good brain, all that. I get to the house, I turn, I go in between uh, two cars, I step onto the pavement and slip. Now then, this is one of those situations where, you know, when something happens and everyone's like, oh my God, uh, the, everything went into slow motion. This happened. Everything went into slow motion. So much so that it gave me the opportunity to look around. I'm like, oh my, this is going to hurt. This is going to hurt so badly. I even even started having like thoughts of, I might die. Because if I slip it a particular way, I land, I crack my head. I slip slip another way, I'm going to break something. I slip another way, I'm going to dislocate something. There was absolutely no situation where I wasn't going to get severely injured in this. So I look one way, I look the other way, and I'm like, oh my word, there is a lamppost within reach. So with my right hand, I send my right hand off to grab the lamppost, which I did. And I grabbed hold of it, hang on for dear life. Now bear in mind, everything is still happening in slow motion at this point. Problem being is, I am still falling. Grabbing the lamppost has steadied me somewhat, but I'm still falling. And I fall into the house next door, the wall of the house. I basically collapse into it. All the uh, all the lamppost has done is slowed my descent somewhat. Don't get me wrong. Every part of this slip was going to be 10, minimum 10 times worse than what it was. But on the other hand, it was still really bad. So... I winded myself to start with, which, if you've ever winded yourself, it's the worst thing. I couldn't breathe, I couldn't catch my breath, I was not doing well. And that was from that perspective. As far as I can work out, from one, um, like the... The other side of your elbow, I don't know, armpit, but it's not armpit. Um, 
I don't know, the other side of your elbow. All the way across, up, through the arm, all the way across the chest, and down the other side, tore all the muscles across. Was in agony. Took me a good, a good solid minute of standing outside to compose myself enough to be able to knock on the door, collect the child. I get home, I'm like, this is what's happened. It was bad. It was really bad. And I'm in a really bad way. So it's been one of those. Um, with having a tattoo, with having a leg tattoo especially, there's been no running. I then had to knock on, knock on the head any working out because of all the damage I'd done. It took me two days to fully recover from this slip. And even then, I think that I think that brought me up to like my rest day. So I took an extra day off there. Wasn't until four days later that I actually got back to doing any form of exercise other than walking the dog. I was in a really bad way. Like, really bad. I actually did um, did chest today for the first time since it happened. And I realised that I was actually still suffering from the injury. Bad news. Really bad news. So, as as you know, and as I've literally just mentioned, uh, got a got a puppy. No, no longer really a puppy. Um, actually, nearly his birthday. Um, we'll turn one. Doesn't necessarily mean that he's an adult at that point. Could become an adult in the next sort of six months. Um, but I've been through all the trials and tribulations of having a puppy. And as I'm sure anybody who's been following the podcast will tell you, it's not been the best of times. Um, having having a dog, having a puppy, having you know all of that sort of stuff is a lot harder than anybody will ever tell you it is. And there's a reason for that, because if you actually knew how difficult it was, you just wouldn't you wouldn't get them. You wouldn't you wouldn't have them. So because of this, I've followed a lot of uh, different train dog trainers, a lot of training instructions, a lot of training videos, lots of different people telling me lots of different things. I've read books. I've had a dog trainer come out to see the dog. I'm just trying to do the best I can for this dog and for myself because it is affecting my mental health. Or in, in honour of Marshawn Lynch, it's affecting my mentals. Um, I've reached a point now where I think I'm in this zone of it's not awful, it's kind of serviceable. Um, but then I was watching a video today and it was saying that um, I'm trying to work on recall at the moment part of the training uh, which is difficult to do when you're on your own you kind of it's kind of a two-man job um and i keep i keep saying that me and my eldest are going to do it together uh yet we never seem to get the time um recently i signed up to a thing it was like oh uh, sign up to this 
and uh, we'll we'll send you a free video about recall. I'm like, well, that sounds perfect. So the the video came. I started watching it. And all of a sudden, all of the things that I've learned and I've seen recently all clicked together at once. And I had this amazing realization. No, not about how best to train a dog. About the fact that dog trainers don't tell you anything. Ever. I watched a video today, and like I said, I signed up to this other thing. I was like, oh, we'll send you a free video. And I'm starting to think that dog trainers are the biggest scam there has ever been. Um, in America, the second biggest business in America is dog-related products. Um, the amount they the Americans spend on dog-related products is... I'm pretty sure it's in the hundreds of billions. I think it was something like $700 billion. Um, and initially, I was like, wow, that's, that's amazing. That's incredible. That's a, that's a lot of money. Is that, that's, that's insane. And now, I'm like, yeah, I can see that. That's possible. That's absolutely possible. I've probably nearly spent that. Because nobody tells you anything. And I want to say, nobody tells you anything unless you're paying them. But do you know something? I've paid a dog trainer. And do you know what I got from that? Fuck all. So, there's that. I watched this video the other day. This woman's like, oh, dog training, dog training, dog training, dog training. Let me tell you a bit about myself, though. So, uh, I did this, and I did that, and I did the other... I'm 20 minutes in to an hour and 20 minute video. And do you know what I'd learned by that point? Absolutely nothing. So, I'm like, do you know something? I, I think I'm going to bail on this video. Since getting the email, oh, here's an email, here's your link for your video. I've had nine emails from this place, from this woman, from this whatever. All about oh, our, our programs different to all the other dog training programs out there. Like, all right, cool, that's, that's great. Uh, I can see that this is yet another friggin scam cool i watched a video today from uh so what i want to say is from like my favorite dog trainer but uh my favorite dog trainer is very quickly becoming my least favorite dog trainer i'm watching a video today I was like, oh, we're, we're 10 minutes into this video and you haven't told me anything yet. And then he goes, anyway, before we get into the dog training, I should tell you a little bit about myself. And I went, 
I've heard this somewhere before. Is there a school somewhere out there that trains people to be quote-unquote dog trainers? And what they actually are is people who just talk and never actually tell you anything. They never actually give you any information that might help you in any way, shape or form. What they do do is they tell you that, oh, I've got a course that's definitely going to help you with your problem. It's absolutely going to solve your problem. Here's 900 people talking about how great the course was, but it's going to cost you this much money. And all I can think now is, if I give you, uh, if I give you the money you're asking for, are you going to actually tell me anything? I understand the principle of free content. I understand you should never give anything away for free. Never do anything for free that you can get paid for. I believe the saying goes, which you know shouldn't really be a saying because that that's you know common sense. But I honestly am starting to believe that dog training is just one giant scam. And in actual fact, all it is, is people that like to talk. That ultimately, don't ever teach you anything. Do you know what I want to know from a video about how to train a dog to do recall? You know, come back when you ask them to. I want you to show me how to get the dog to come back when I want it to. Do I want to know about what you were doing in 1986? No. I want to know how to get the dog to come back. And 20, 25, 30 minutes into an hour and 30 minute video, should I be asking, are you ever going to teach me anything or are you just going to keep showing me slides and talking about how all the possible training abilities that you're going to give me? Yet at this point in time, you never have. And I know what you're thinking. Well, did you watch the rest? You know, it sounds like there was an hour left of that video. Yeah, there probably was an hour left of the video. And do you know what? I'm going to go out on a limb and say it was just another hour of listening to people talk that don't ever actually tell you anything or teach you anything. One of the people I follow uh, posted a video and I watched the video and I was like, eh, I'm not sure on that video. I don't really feel like I learned anything. I looked at the comments, which I rarely do. And the first comment was, the title of this video is massively misleading because at no point in the video did you actually tell us anything about how to do what the video said. And I was like, okay, so it wasn't just me then. It's such a baffling concept. It really is. Anyway. Last thing from the week. The week it has been. Um... Is it just me? Or does anybody else get that incredible sense of relief after you've built flat pack furniture? You know, when you've like built the flat pack furniture 
and you've shouted at it and you've called it rude words and you've pointed out how the instructions don't make any sense and nowadays you can you know use a qr code on the instructions and watch a video on how to do certain parts of the flat pack and you watch the video and you find that the video is more confusing than the paper instructions you've got in front of you and actually mean that you have to take the railings off and put them on six times and once you've spent a couple of hours building a chest of drawers and you've called it every name under the sun and you've highlighted how whoever created this chest of drawers was truly the son of satan and how why the hell would they tell you to do an instruction in a certain order when doing it in a completely different order is so much better and when you smash a drawer because you've spent an hour and a half building a set of chest of drawers that have been an absolute fucking nightmare so then you have to get some glue and glue's rubbish and it doesn't glue anything so the fact that it's actually cold glue is probably a bigger scam as dog training and you eventually slide that final drawer in and you walk away from the chest of drawers and you click the kettle on and you feel that immense sense of relief because you've managed to get every single piece of anger and frustration and aggression and just all of that has managed to be poured into a flat pack chest of drawers and serenity sets in and everything's right with the world do you ever get that feeling just wondering asking for a friend so that was the week that was um got some bits and pieces to talk about got some entertainment stuff to talk about um i plugged on i fought through series five of burn notice uh and i actually got through it and i'm now on series six um unfortunately burn notice has taken a massive downward turn um it it just it, it's just nowhere near as good as it was series one to four. Um, they've stripped out a lot of what made it a good show, and they've replaced it with a lot of um, cliches and one-liners. Um, I've I find that a lot of the episodes don't really make any sense. Literally every episode is oh we're going to do this oh it's gone wrong quick quick think on your feet oh i've come up with a different idea okay now that's gone wrong now what oh well i've got a different idea oh okay that seems to be oh no that's gone wrong now what i've got a different idea by the time you've gone through five different ideas you can't actually remember what it is that they were doing um what's nice is reaching series six means that i'm actually closer to finishing it and There's something kind of nice about that. 
I don't think I got this far originally. Uh, I'm starting to get to that point now where I'm not really recognising the episodes. So I think I might have maybe got through Series 5 and the start of Series 6. And I think I might have stopped at that point. Um, As with things that I've been watching recently, the intention is to get to the end. And I know that I failed with uh, Scrubs. Um, But Scrubs was so horrifically bad at the end. There was nothing that was redeeming it. Um, so, you know, I have to kind of hand, hold my hands up on that one, but also, you know, they need to take some of the ownership for it. I will attempt to continue with Burn Notice and try and get it finished, uh, and then maybe find something else to watch. Who knows? Maybe it might even be something current. How about that? <clears throat> I'm just going to grab a drink because I watched a movie. As is my want. And a relatively current one. One I can actually talk about. Try not to spoil anything. Uh, I watched Venom. Let There Be Carnage. Um, One of those things. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I was quite looking forward to this film. Um, I got to the end... Uh, Leanne said to me I'm disappointed I think that's the problem I'm disappointed and I was like really oh that's that's a, that's a surprise and a shame and in hindsight I think I can see where she's coming from a couple of things that that stuck out for me was uh, I ended up finishing it and going it was fine it was it was it was okay it was fine it was a film that I've watched and it was okay. But in the, in that, that kind of means it's not okay. Because this was a film that was supposed to be more than that. This was a film that was supposed to be better than that. And it wasn't. A couple of other things that really stood out for me. Number one, I feel that Venom 2 suffered... A lot more from its rating than the first one did. They did a lot of this sort of this. Oh, something really violent's going to happen, so we'll cut away. It's like, yeah, that's that's great. Thanks for that. So like, well, either either do it or don't. And if you need to do it, then you need a higher rating. It's as simple as that. Um, there was a point towards the back end where the editing was a bit strange. Um, and the other thing that really stood out, um, at one point early on, I had to pause it, and I saw that it said that it was basically like 90 minutes, which is unheard of these days. When you're dealing with these superhero movies, it's like, oh, it's three hours or nothing. And it's like, we just kind of accept that. You know, on average, they're about two and a half hours. This was 90 minutes, and it suffered for it. It really felt like it had been all crammed in. And I think it could have done with a little bit more, like expanding a couple of the characters a little bit more. Um, Leon felt that one of the characters that was in it was completely unnecessary. I don't know how much I agree with that, but okay. Um, 
But after all of that, the film was just, it was fine. It was okay. It wasn't a bad film. But it wasn't a great film either. And that's where the disappointment came in. And if I'm honest, I think the first one might have been better. Which again, eh. Um, unfortunately there is something that I wanted to talk about but it is a massive spoiler so I'm actually going to not and I'm just going to leave it Um, so Venom let there be carnage not quite what I was hoping for Um, I rented it which again I'm not sure I feel a bit more robbed in that situation like if I'd have bought it, I suppose I'd have felt more robbed if I'd have bought it. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. So, um, we can talk some games if you like. First game on the list: Riders Republic. Yes, still playing it. Uh, I'm sure that might shock some people. Especially the person who put me off playing it originally. Because uh, I know that they've uh, said that they're, they're not... I think the short version is not a fan. Um, been enjoying it. Been really enjoying it. Been enjoying it a little bit less. And I think that's largely to do with the... Um, the things, the thing, the race things are getting harder um, now. Starting to run out of them because of how hard they are. You have to often do things multiple times to get through and get more races. Um, but areas that need sort of more races doing is like all the the wingsuit um, and the rocket pack thing. Um, the biggest issue with those is they're incredibly difficult and because of that not overly fun uh, i did a race the other day it was like oh fly through a load of trees right why sounds like a terrible idea sounds incredibly difficult really unnecessary and just really annoying and that's what it was it was an awful experience um all the good ones all the enjoyable ones it's like I don't really feel, I don't really seem to be unlocking anything. It's like, oh, here, have some money. I don't need any money. All the stuff in the, in the shop, all the stuff in the shop is shit. What do I want money for? I want, you know, I want a new bike. I want a new snowboard. So it's become a little bit of a chore, especially now because it's become difficult to get new races, having to go back and do previous races. And try and like unlock stars from previous races. In all, it is actually still enjoyable, but it has become a little bit of a chore. And I think games like this do have a tendency to do do that. Um, I finished Crisis Three. Not easily, might I add. I think I, when I said I'd played Crisis 2, I said that I felt that they'd made it ever so slightly easier. Um, I'm not sure now if I was maybe confusing 2 and 3. 3 was a lot harder, and the back end of 3 
was really hard. It took me a couple of days to finish the back end of Crisis 3, purely because of how hard it was. And I get it, you know, big boss end of game you want it to be difficult you want it to be tough you want it to be like oh use everything you've learned up till this point but that also has that thing of just being annoying again another situation where you've made it tougher you made it more annoying um however i did prevail i did manage to get through it i did manage to finish it uh, unfortunately that is the crisis trilogy remaster done and dusted what's nice is that they're games that i've always gone back to that's why i wanted that game that trilogy because they're games i've always gone back to not necessarily the first one um but two and three are absolutely games that i've played multiple times and i imagine will be games that i will play again um I felt a little bit like I was in a in a first person shooter kind of vibe so I started looking through what options I had for first person shooters and ended up stumbling across um free copies of uh some of the the Call of Duty games one of those things, say what we will about Call of Duty, I have played the majority of the Call of Duty games. I haven't played the most recent, and I haven't played the one that was multiplayer only. Other than that, I have basically played the Call of Duty games, but only the campaigns, because multiplayer is not for me. I installed Call of Duty Black Ops 3, and I couldn't even get through the training. And I tried, and I tried, and I tried, and I tried, and I tried to get through the training, and I couldn't do it. Again, spent two days worth of playing trying to get through this training, and I couldn't do it. I think there might have been something wrong with the game, with it being a digital download, it was a PlayStation Plus game at one point, all this sort of stuff. I actually think that some of the features that the game told me were available weren't. And I think that's why I couldn't complete it. It's like, oh, uh, do wall running. I, I don't know how to do that. You're not telling me how to do it either. And I can't find a single button that makes it happen. So I don't know what you want me to do. Oh, hack, hack into this drone. Okay, how? You haven't told me how to do that. And none of the buttons do that. So how do I do that? I looked up in the you know in the list of um, like buttons and stuff. Nothing, no mention of it anywhere. So I wasn't sure if the game was a little bit broken. Uh, I deleted Black Ops Three in the end and installed Black Ops Four to be informed. I did check just to be on the safe side, but to be informed that Black Ops Four was the one that was multiplayer only. So I deleted that as well. Probably about time in my life to admit Call of Duty probably isn't for me. Multiplayer holds zero appeal. And although, like I say, I have played the... Uh, I have played them all up to a particular point 
I, I'm starting to think maybe I'm too old, maybe I'm too rubbish at games for Call of Duty. So, I needed something else to play, and I had been playing, because I got it with the PS5, I've been playing Spider-Man Miles Morales, a game I've played many times. I was annoyed, because I couldn't get the... Um, the save to move over and to upgrade from PS4 to PS5. But it has meant I've played it from the beginning, just not in the new game plus kind of sense. Um, I'm very much getting towards the back end of the things to collect, but I don't think I'm getting towards the back end of the store. I don't know, maybe. I might be. Maybe, yeah. Um, I imagine I'll have probably finished that in the next day or so um and i think what i'm going to go on to after that is i also got the director's cut of ghost of shishima for the ps5 so i think that'll be the next thing i sort of try and properly get my teeth into so we shall see that's that that's it that's the podcast something from the week games movies and tv as it said on the tin. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for listening along. And I will catch you next week or indeed next time. See ya. There you go. What do you think of that? Another one done. Another week gone. Another week closer to whatever it is you're looking forward to. As I mentioned at the start of this, if you could consider subscribing wherever you get your podcasts, that would be amazing. If you've got two minutes, you could also jump over to our website, thecookiecast.com. Drop us a line. We've got social media links. We've got email links. Click of a button and you can get in touch with us. That's it for this one. Until next time, I'm going to say bye and I'll see you then.